Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the feast day of the holy name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we hear from our seminarian Michael Drell as he preached from the lectionary, which was Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 21. As always, you can find more information about All Souls or sermons by All Soulsians on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. Happy New Year. In preparing this sermon for today, I've had a lot of conversations with other people. I prayed a lot, and I took a lot of notes on bits of paper all over the place. I also heard a lot of stories that seemed to fit in with all of my pondering and writing. For a while, it has seemed like everything in my life has been all about mothers and children. One story comes from my partner on the phone from Peru, where he is working at a primary health clinic at the border with Ecuador. He told me about a young Venezuelan mother with three small children, seven and five years old, and the youngest of three months. She had been traveling to the US with her husband, but had decided not to risk crossing the desert with her children. Her husband continued on to the US and is here in this country now. But she and the children turned around and headed south again. They are on their way to his mother, her mother-in-law in Chile. Unfortunately, she hasn't been in contact with either her husband or mother-in-law for quite some time because her phone, amongst other things, was stolen. <clears throat> She arrived at the clinic utterly exhausted and without milk. I ask you to join me in holding this story in our hearts rather than thinking about it. But how might we do that? Many of you have heard of Lectio Divina, the practice of prayerful and slow engagement with scripture passages. Recently, I heard Father Luigi Gioia talking about Lectio Divina and its relationship to contemplative prayer. He said, the essence of Lectio Divina is finding the taste of the word of God, finding the consolation, finding the joy, finding the love which is communicated through the sentences of scripture. He goes on to describe what's called ruminatio, which, like it sounds, is a ruminating on the text, not studying, but internalizing and digesting it. This is how I've tried to approach our gospel over the past few weeks. I was focusing in on Luke 2.19 and this specific passage from the broader story of Christmas. Not to take away from everything else that was going on, but what was going on with Mary and the baby? I'm drawn to the differentiation from the others, and there's a draw for me in these verbs that were separate from amazement. So while everyone else was being amazed, Mary was not. What was she doing? But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Hmm. I was feeling like I needed human guidance with understanding what I was tasting, 
So I contacted my mother's god sister from the Greek Orthodox Church to where my mother belonged until the 1960s. My auntie Irene is a Greek scholar, theologian, and a deeply pious woman. She's 91 years old now and lives in Texas. Like my own mother, she recently lost a child. We spoke for some time on the phone about the Greek meanings of these words from scripture. She explained many linguistic, cultural, spiritual realities from her perspective, and it has been a great joy to engage with her over the phone. From the Greek, we are offered further meaning around what treasuring and pondering suggest about what is really going on. Not to be academic, but maybe to help us understand the flavors more. Irene told me the Greek suggests a keeping and a weighing going on in Mary's heart and mind, which are united together in her perceiving. The treasuring and pondering can be understood as a form of contemplation, a state of prayer using the intellect. There is also a suggestion of making a contract or entering into a formal agreement. She talked to me about how the intellect is very much separate or distinguished from reason and thinking. Intellect is the organ of contemplation as distinguished from the thoughts of our reasoning. The intellect is referred to as the eye of the heart. It is utilized in the understanding of divine truths. So maybe the Blessed Mother was understanding the divine truth of her son, our Lord, and she was experiencing the identity of God ready to be named Jesus. Understanding and feeling the deep reality of a belonging for the world she had just given birth to and had nurtured all week. God yearns for you to feel and know this belonging, says Father Martin Smith. Too often questions of identity and belonging create violence or at least pressure and fear. We often aren't solid or free in our identities and we question our belonging because of feeling very much otherwise. Could we take some of the pressure off if we really understood that all of us already belong to God as his body through his sacrifice and nourishment, and through the countless sacrifices and nourishment of our mothers. I personally find being Christ-like very hard much of the time. Maybe entering our sense of belonging and identity in Christ would be more approachable through the concept of motherhood, the knowing of God through our relationship to all God's children as mothers ourselves, or midwives and servants to the mothering of this world. In fact, I am not a mother, nor a parent, nor even an uncle. But despite these facts, I and other non-mothers can identify and embody recollections of experience that mirror many aspects of the relationship between the Messiah, our brother, and Lord, and his most blessed mother, whether our own childbirth and rearing was idyllic or far from it doesn't change the fact that we are all connected to each other's experiences as they continue to play out in the world. The difficulties, traumas, resentments, and abuses that we as a collective humanity carry for one another.
As we all know, so many situations around reproductive health are very far from idyllic. I mentioned earlier the story from Peru, and there are more even closer to home and in some of our families. Whatever particularities existed around our own neonatal realities, our birth, and the initial days of our life, all of us in here live to eight days by the grace of God and the nourishment of our mothers or the primary caregivers. We were named and we were cared for, held and fed. Could we start this new year choosing to embody our belonging to God more fully, making this belonging our primary identity? An identity around utilizing our heart as the primary organ of perception, as Reverend Cynthia Burgo puts it. Allow yourself to trace your own physical and emotional experience of Advent and Christmas. All of our scriptures, celebrations, stories, chants, songs, sermons, and silences. The event of the birth of God incarnate can be shared. In fact, it is shared in the most expansive way the universe knows. We already belong. We already deserve and receive God's unending and evermore offered love. Now, if you don't accept that, or you are new to the Christian story, stick around. Listen to the prayers and stories of the lectionary this year ahead. Listen to the prayers and stories of your own and each other's hearts. Belong to those and identify with those stories, not so much with feelings like anger and sadness. Though often led to believe otherwise, nothing is more truly shared than the belonging of our hearts to God and the belonging of our hearts to the also human heart of Jesus Christ in receiving the bread and wine as his body and blood. Throughout the Gospels, we will hear more of the story regarding the institution of the Eucharist, but allow me to suggest and locate the origins of this story where they might belong, with this mother and child, as he receives the belonging of his name and the first wound of covenantal bloodshed. This is the origin of his and our belonging and identity in God and in one another. We can focus on the simplicity of these events despite their unfathomable power. Let us try to know these eight days, a time period I'm guessing was characterized by feeding, nourishment, nurturing, and rest. These, of course, support bounding changes and developments in the body of the infant and his mother. Maybe our primary attachment is a good place to start this new year. We can return to that trust and nourishment, our belonging to the mother impulse of this entire universe. Aren't we still completely dependent on an other for our life and being? We can identify with that which sustains and saves us through nourishment as we see him having been nourished. The very same body you encounter in communion with the Eucharist being fed by his mother and ours. We can find the simple and very basic foundational comfort of a fed baby, allowing ourselves rest upon the heart of the Blessed Mother 
and allowing ourselves to grow from that place once again. So let's not begin this year thinking that we need to do more or take anything off a list of tasks in order to belong. We are already enough. At the start of a new year, let's allow a return to these primary senses of being, belonging, and identity. Regardless of gender or age, ask yourself, what is my relationship to motherhood? How are we all like midwives when not mothers? And how are we all siblings to all of creation as I spoke about on the Feast of St. Francis? Even our enemies? How can we pray for our enemies? Father Martin Smith says it's impossible, but we must give it a go. Maybe the way we access love for all of our siblings, even our enemies, is through the treasures and ponderings of their mother's hearts. Can we understand a physical sense of belonging in and gratitude for the love of the same heart that fed and raised our Lord? She not only said yes to God for her own life and path, but for her child and all God's children. Can we understand our own yes as also yes for the life of all our children?